This is a great passage. I, I just, I love Romans and have really, again, uh, waited till I was a little older to preach through it. And it has been a joy to me to meditate through this over the last year. And, and now, uh, verse by verse, word by word, phrase by phrase, uh, allow us to uncover it together as a church. It is such an important message. It is uh, unique in the Bible in how much, especially in this passage, how much is given to understand the culture in the world around us. It really gives us uh, at length, at more length than anywhere else. Uh, We find out the why of what happens, right? And so we see a lot of things going around us, and it's important for us to know why this is happening. Why is this this way? Why is this that way? And so the news will tell you what, and it'll make you really sad, Uh, and despair. But if you know why, there's hope in the why. There's hope in the why. Okay, we're going to look at that a little bit today. And so it really helps us understand our culture as we let the word speak, as we let God speak through his word. It changes us. It changes the way we think as well. Uh, It shapes our thinking. It helps us to think God's thoughts. It's God's word. It helps us to think God's thoughts about our culture, about ourselves, right? It gives us a proper view of the world, right? The right worldview. It's the true narrative, the true story, right? The the meta-narrative that puts together all the adjunct stories into one cohesive whole. It's the true paradigm, that explains all the different movings of the pieces, right? And sometimes we need a paradigm shift to help us make sense of all that's around us. And that comes from God's word telling us his ways. It's the critical theory that makes sense of all that we experience. It is the true critical theory that really makes sense of all of these ideas, even just the idea of existence, why I'm here, where I'm going. Right? These things make sense when we understand God's word. Our society wants to get away from these big pieces, from this story, wants to delete major parts from this paradigm, wants to distort the worldview. Perhaps you saw this a while ago, the Children's Oxford English Dictionary took the word sin out of the dictionary. And the word devil and other things. Uh, the head of the Children's Dictionary at Oxford University Press, when requested by the London Telegraph about that, said, we make changes that reflect a multicultural society. And so I guess our next generation is not sinful. Isn't that awesome? What a blessing. <laughs> right, yeah. Just, just expunge it from the dictionary. But we do know that just as my dad's generation was sinful, my generation is sinful, the next generation is sinful, all of these generations do have character qualities that are called sin. Right? The Bible calls sin, missing the, mark, missing the mark, transgressing God's way, going outside of the boundary that God set up as a fence for us to prosper and enjoy life in. This is where you can go. Enjoy it to your heart's extent. Like Live in pleasure in these boundaries, in the life that God has. It gives us purpose for life. And when we transgress that way, we get into trouble. And whether the dictionary calls it sin or not, it's difficult. And and we need to 
understand these things that are sinful to understand God's ways and God's ways are best. Okay, And so that's what we come to today as we cross really these 21 attributes of a sinful society. It's almost like an autopsy that shows all of our hearts and where all of us fall short of God's glory. And it will help us to make sure that we are being a light, okay? But it also shows the pathway to this sinful state. So the big idea that we want to understand today is that there is a, a depraved mind, a reprobate mind, a mind that is rejected, that actually becomes pervasive in a society that accepts these things and is not able any longer to call it sin. And so from that, where do we go? Where do we go as a society? Okay, as Christians, does that mean we just go on top of a hilltop and make our own self uh, clustered together so we can keep sin out? Nope, we've tried it. Sin's there, right? And so where do we go from here? Okay, so this will be a very practical message as we let the Word speak to us about how to handle a society that's given itself over to a depraved mind. It's actually the third judgment. So let's take a moment with this. I wish I could take 10 minutes with this. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to fall asleep. There we are. Let's see. Will you come back? Okay, very good. Um, we're going to just kind of find where we are in Romans 1 as we dive into the next paragraph. Okay, so we've looked at this paragraph by paragraph, phrase by phrase, and we're entering in the last paragraph of Romans 1. I, I hate to say goodbye to it. Uh, it's too soon. But, uh, but we're going to, as, uh, as we, this week and maybe next week, uh, we'll, we'll handle this, this 21-gun salute. Uh, but we begin with this glorious gospel introduction. As Paul introduces himself, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel. Paul is all about the gospel. And then he just says, which, and he can't move on, can he? He's got to get into the gospel. He's got to explain the gospel to us, and he does that in the verses that follow. And then he shows that this is, verse 15, a reason to live, a glorious gospel philosophy for living. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you. Those of you in that city called Queens, very similar city, he wanted to go to Queens wanted to go to Rome because he wanted to preach the gospel there. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. Everyone, Jew and Gentile, need to hear this message. Why? Because in the gospel, this good news that states you don't have to earn your way to God, but the righteousness of God is granted to you, earned by Jesus and granted to you. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith as you believe from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Well, why do I need God's righteousness granted to me? Well, that's because God's wrath is against the unrightness of humanity, right? And so our need for the gospel would be verses 18 to the end of the chapter, really to the chapter 3. But for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Because we have rejected who God is, and as he's revealed for us to live, the path and the yard that he's made for us clearly shows to us that God has redeemed me. He's brought me into his house, and 
I want to live for his glory, but you know what? There's all these other things that I want to pursue. And so that which is known about God is evident to us because of what, who, how he's made us. But from the creation of the world, we reject that and we start worshiping other things. And so the things about God are clearly seen by what he's made, but we go our own way. We don't honor him as God or give him what? Verse 21, neither were they grateful, neither give him thanks. It's a good, good thing. This is one of the biggest lights of a Christian life is someone willing to give God thanks. And so please uh, be able to spend some time this week in that. And then we get to the three exchanges and the three handing overs from verse 22 all the end of the, the, end, of the, the end of the chapter. And you see that in a little chart in front of you. I'm not going to get into the chart, but, but you just see they exchange, right? They reject this idea of God, and instead they start worshiping things that, are, that God made. Things like, like matter and paper and currency uh, and idols, uh, things like popularity. Exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, crawling creatures. So there's exchanging glory for grimy, uh, the, the change of worship. And because of that, God gives them over to impure idolatry. Okay, I'll let you. And so he just opens the gate of the fence and says, that's what you want. He keeps compelling, 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 but eventually he lets go of the leash. He lets, opens the gate. And humanity gives themselves over to impure idolatry. Gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among themselves. And they, they don't stop there. I mean, he doesn't stop. We exchange the truth of what God is for a lie and worships and serve the creature rather than the creator. So we exchange, the second exchange is exchanging truth for a lie. And so God gives them over to these passions that come from worship. And often you see this in, in people's worship. They worship their passions and, and that's, that's often in lust, right? The sexual pleasures, and so we spent time with this last week. I guess it was two weeks ago. Uh, their women exchanged the natural function, so God gives them over to sexual immorality. There's this exchange of natural to unnatural sexual activity. Their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. The same way the men abandoned the natural function of the woman, burning their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. And so we have all three of these exchanges and all three of these handing overs. And God continues to hand humanity over, open the gate more. And humanity continues to go further and further from God and further and further into destructive behaviors and activities that will actually ruin our lives. God in his love doesn't leave us there. But this is the third handing over. It's the bottom of the slide. It's the end of the line for a culture and a person that's given over to this we find the third giving over to pervasive depravity. Giving over to pervasive depravity. Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. He's going to say, okay, you want it? Here you go. And I'm going to give you over to follow a, a, a mind that can no longer think correctly. And they're filled with all of these things these 21 things. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time with this this week, but I'm mainly going to just kind of plot them out for us and show what they look like and kind of the, the big idea of them. And then we'll 
get into them. And I, I don't know that we'll be able to handle all of them in one week, probably take a couple weeks uh, here uh, in, in the future. But today we're going to mainly handle this idea of giving them over. What does this look like? And then the actual, uh, the actual activities themselves is a big picture. Okay. Just as they did not see, so verse 28 in your notes there, this is what we're going to kind of dive into more clearly. Verse 28, the nature of divine judgment, this third divine judgment, and then the danger of it, the nature of this divine judgment, and then the danger of it. Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things that were not proper. This shows us the nature of that third exchange, and then the danger of it. And it's where we find ourselves today. There's some danger here that we need to be aware of. But we're going to end with the positive, the solution to it all. Okay? Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to depraved mind. So the, the first thing is the nature of this. And it's interesting from disapproving to disapprove. The, you see the two points there in your notes. They disapprove of God, so God disapproves of them. The nature of the third judgment, a disapproved mind. They disapprove of God. God disapproves of them. What's really interesting here is, is uh, this is the same word. These, these two words, the acknowledge and then depraved mind. They're actually in the original, they're the same word. And so if you read that, that would be really easy to see in the original language. It's the same idea. And so as, as they disapprove or are unapproving of God, God's like, okay, I'm going to just take your mind and let you have unapproved thinking. Unapproved thinking. So the first step is they do not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. The word there, disapprove, I'm translating, is the word acknowledged here translated. It refers to uh, being invalid, considered invalid. They, they know God, they have a knowledge of God that we've been looking at all along, but it's like, I, I don't approve of that knowledge anymore. So instead of pursuing God, seeking God, and developing that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, walking with God through Jesus Christ, he's not approved. He's, he's counterculture. He's not politically correct anymore. Let's just put God outside of the... Con no, he, we can't talk about him in the public square anymore. You see that? Disapproved. So society says, this is no longer what you're allowed to talk about. They approve of God no longer. The word approve there is often used by testing to see whether a weight was genuine. So they would weigh the gold to see if there were impurities, or they'd test the gold to make sure it was, it was genuinely pure gold. It's used of the farmer, as Jesus tells the story of the farmer that's invited to the feast. And he says, I can't go. I'm sorry, Thursday, I'm not able to go. Listen, hey, I hope none of If you can't go Thursday, that's totally fine. Uh, uh, I, I, whatever. Uh, that number keeps growing, so please bring food. Um, but anyway, this, this farmer that's invited to a feast, and he could not go because anybody remember the farmer? He had to, anybody remember? He had to test a yoke of oxen. I got to take it for a test drive, and like I got this new farming equipment, I need to test and make sure it's okay. That's the idea. So, so they're going to take God for a test and say, "Ah, this didn't work for me. Unapproved. It's not going to work for me." 
I don't want God in my life. I'm going to throw him aside. And so culture has a time of, of Christian light. Let the light shine. And they turn the lights off. We don't want that anymore. Let's go back to nighttime. So the big idea today is let the light shine. As society continues to go into night, we pray for daylight. And as it gets closer and closer to midnight and 2 p.m., 2 a.m., all right, it's getting darker earlier and earlier. Don't you love that? 4.30 p.m. is dark? What? As our society gets, gets night earlier and earlier, we just have to shine brighter and brighter. Let the light shine. Society saying we no longer approve of God. They, they, they reject the idea of God. Or they change the idea of God to fit their desires rather than the biblical view of God. And so they may, they may call him God. They may call him a higher power. They may call him whatever they want to call him, but it's got to fit their agenda. It's got to fit the box in which they want God to be in rather than the box that God has given himself, which is his word through his spirit's revelation, divine revelation. And so they either reject the idea of God altogether or they change the idea of God to fit in with their desires, and that's idolatry. All along since creation, humanity has been doing that. Cain and Abel, I don't want to worship God this way. First time it happens. First man born, a murderer wanting to worship God his own way. I'll make God my own way. And so humanity continues to bring up this smorgasbord of a God according to their own taste. It's rejecting the biblical view of God. It's the same as rejecting him. I don't approve of what God says in his word, so I'm going to make up my own word. You're making up your own God, and it's just like fashioning golden calf. It's just like that. Even if you call him Yahweh, like the children of Israel did. So what does God do? Right, there's, they disapprove of God, so what does God do? He disapproves of them. Uh, he gave them over to a disapproved thinking. He gave them over to a disapproved thinking. God turns them over to a disapproved mind. It's the same. It's the same. The, the first one's a verb. This one's an adjective. A mind that's disapproved. Their thinking now is to be rejected. That, that's not valid. That's not a valid way to assess what is right and wrong. That's, that's a wrong uh, moral compass. It needs to be rejected when you reject the idea of God. And yet God gives them over to a way of thinking that is broken. And so you have a whole school that its principles for what is right and wrong is totally against what God says is right and wrong. You have a whole entertainment industry at times that is totally committed to what is right and wrong based on their own compass that is not God's compass. But God has given to us inside a compass that knows and truly understands, but eventually, this is the sad thing, eventually God says, okay, you're actually going to feel right doing that. I'm going to stop, you're going to sear your conscience, and you're actually going to feel like the, that is right, and that is wrong. And they call what is right wrong, and what is wrong right. And so we find that in society, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And they give themselves to things that harm themselves. The right becomes wrong. The wrong becomes right. And they profess so many degrees. And it's so foolish. 
because we know that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And even folks who do not know God in a close relationship, if they have a sense of the fear of God, it does curb their actions. But sometimes society changes the view of God and rejects the view of God. So there's no fear of God before their eyes and there's no wisdom in the land. And so God gives us over to this. This is the third judgment. It's actually a judgment. It's not light. It's night. And so people may say this is enlightened thinking, but it's actually the nighttime. Okay? And it's actually part of, if you follow the, the thinking, as I have all along here just for a few moments, it's actually a revealing of the wrath of God. I want to preach the gospel in that city because that, 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 that gospel means that anyone who's not right with God can be made right with God by faith. Why do I need to be made right with God? Because I'm not right with God. And here's a demonstration. All of these things that society rejects God's way. Now, what is the danger then? The danger of the third judgment is a sin-filled society. The, the nature is a disapproved mind. The danger is that, what do they do? Verse 29, what do they do? God gave them a depraved mind to do what? Those things which are not proper. And so this is what they do. The result is that society does not do the things that are proper, acceptable before God. Their theology affects their practice. The fool, that says there, the fool says there's no God and he lives foolishly. What does this look like? This is the dangerous part. The dangerous part is this looks like not as much verse, the, the previous verses that Christians often focus so much on. It's the next verses. And it's the society is fulfilled, filled with that. This is where danger, danger becomes the vices of a depraved society. The, the vices of a depraved society. And so as you look in your Bible, verse 29 and following is what you have there. So as, as we disapprove of God, God changes the way, He lets us think that way, and it actually is a judgment from God for a society to reject Him and start living according to their own compass, charting out their own future. That's a part of God's judgment, and all these songs are saying that thing. It's judgment from God. Um, the New Living Translation, let me just read that. Uh, they, they kind of share this in a, verse 28. It comes out pretty clear. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. Right? So there's that foolish in, in, both, in both cases brings that out. All right, so let's look uh, here at the, the solution. i got to move quickly here. Um, and... Just, just understanding then what this 21 gun salute looks like. Okay, so this is what our culture then, if it has rejected the idea of God, or your family, if your family has rejected the idea of God, or your, your workstation, if your workstation has, right? So it's just in any community or your own heart. Okay, this is what you're filled with. 
Okay, so you can look there uh, in your notes. We have six different characteristics of the vices of this list. Okay, and then we're going to look at them in more detail at, at another time. But I just want us to understand these six and then the solution to them. Okay, there, first of all, there this is uh, this is a list that is structured and not random. It's structured and not random. I this was so fun to study out. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can put a few of these things in here. It's uh, there's structured words and structured organization. Okay, so if you're if you're reading this in the original, all four of these first ones here end in ia, ia, and so it's almost like it's like a poem, but it's almost like a shotgun poem or like a, a, a um, machine gun poem. It just baba ya, baba ya, baba ya, baba ya, and uh, and so. He, you know, Paul is not just picking out random words. He, the Holy Spirit is using poetry, is what he's doing, to describe our culture away from God. So there's, there's structured words, there's rhyming, there's alliteration. After those first four, right, after these first, uh, I think these are actually five, isn't it? Yeah, and then, then the, oh, I'm over here, that's it. Unrighteousness. Wickedness, greed, evil, those first four are IA. And then these, these two both begin with PH. And so he's using alliteration. Uh, and then these, these final ones also uh, begin with all the, the same sound. Um, and, uh, and so there's structured organization. Now, how is it organized in grammar? <laughs> it's with these, these three words. Being filled with all, full of, and then they are, right? So those are the three pegs on which all of these 21 actions, sinful actions, are hung. Uh, so that's helpful to, to kind of highlight. You could circle those in your Bible, and it would show you kind of the, the way they're organized. Not as organized in, in content. So one point we're talking about gossiping, and another point we're talking about just being ruthless, right? And both of those are the same. Uh, it's a similar idea, but it's, it's like not all tongues, you know, issues of the tongue, and then he handles the greed. No, they're, they're, uh, it goes in and out from different topics, more to show alliteration and beauty in dealing with these topics than actually uh, grouping them in topics. So there's structured organization. So I do say that to say this, number two, they're suggestive and not comprehensive. It's not like Paul said, okay, these are all the sinful actions of a community, and if you're going okay on this, then you're, you're scot-free. No, it's, it's not a list of the Ten Commandments. It's just a general list of the vices of a community that's changed its mind about God. They're suggestive of many different sins. I don't know if you read them, if you recognize, it's, it's almost like also they're, they're not, a, these are general sins that you deal with and I deal with. Right. So we, we've gone from, from things that our culture would say, that's right, homosexuality and, and, and living in an openly uh, anti-God mindset to gossiping. Right. So, so this is the end of the slide. Have you said something about someone else without their approval this week? That's the deteriorated society. And so as we use our words for right, we are such a light. I think res respectable sins, confronting the sins we tolerate by Jerry Bridges is really good and along this line. And this will be helpful for us 
as we see the way of a darkened mind in society, Lord, give me grace to be light. Am I shining light on the actions or am I living the same as my workmates? Number three, they're saturated, not sparse. Right? This is, look at the three words. They are filled with, right? It's uh, filled with all unrighteousness, full of envy. And then they are, it turns to, to be, this is just describes them. It's their character, their nature. And so it's not just that this, this, these folks are just doing this occasionally. It's just kind of what, the, the cup is totally full, totally full of these things. Characterize them. Once a society changes the idea of who God is and they reject God's clear revelation, it's just streets are full of this. It's a city full of this. It's a county full of this, a seminary full of this, a family full of this. Um, and, and this is where it gets dangerous with characteristic number four. And I didn't recognize this as clearly until I started going through it. But, but this is scary because they're all spitely, spitefully focused on others. Almost all of them. And all of them can be used this way. Whereas the sins to this point, it's like you're dishonoring your bodies among yourselves. Eventually, it just becomes how you treat everyone else. And a society that is doing all 21 of these things to everyone else is dangerous to live in. People would say caustic, work environment. Where does that come from? It's 21 actions. It's not when we bring God into the workplace. It's when we leave God out. It becomes a dangerous city. It becomes a more dangerous country or village. It becomes a more dangerous family, a more dangerous class room. And we see this so clearly in our, in our classrooms, in our schools. Why are middle schoolers so scarred by their friends, right? By the, the language on their phones as they message or chat. It's because the language that has rejected God, the cruelty there is worse than if you were on a Navy ship. It's worse. It's hurtful. Why is suicide the second leading cause of death among people ages 15 to 24? Because it's hard to live in a society that is given over to caustic way of life, cruelty in all of these ways. It's dangerous to be in that society. These sins are harmful. Your workplace is probably this way. Because God is not there. And so as we, as a society, choose, get God out of our schools. That's what we've said. We have said that. Let there be no idea of God. Romans 1 tells you it's going to be those 21 actions, and it's going to be very difficult to be in that classroom or in that college classroom. Because we don't want any mention of him there. Yesterday I was, saw a group of probably 100 young teens in the street here right at Continental and Queens Boulevard fighting. NYPD are, they're trying to get, just, it's just a society, so I feel so bad for them. Pray for our young people. Pray for the officers. 
I want a church to be a light to these teens. There's so many teens in our community. So many. And they want that. They want love. They want the positive message of God loves you and he wants to change you to where you will not use your words for harm but for good. So we, we continue to go astray. And so it's difficult to be in a society like that. It's beyond depraved. It's living out that depraved mind. And that depraved mind, all of us have depravity. But it becomes where our value system is totally changed to where we call right wrong and wrong right. And so there's the danger. And I'll say number five, it's systemic. It's in every heart. As you read these lists of pervasive sins, as you point out, you recognize, wow, there's three fingers pointing at me. That teen is here. It's the teen in me. It's the heart that can do the same thing. They can dishonor my parents. They can gossip. They can be spiteful. They can be boastful. They can be proud. Those things are there. It's the danger inside all of us. We're born that way. And we need a heart change. We need a heart change. The, the greed. Right? We're gonna, it's going to get to that. But that greed is in every heart. The Bible says that the heart of man is desperately sick. It's incurably diseased. And until we recognize this and do an autopsy on ourselves, we'll never recognize the, the hope. The hope is in Christ. And we'll continue through this in chapter 6 through 8, talking to Christians who, who will mortify the sins, the deeds of their body, but, but it's still present in you. And we need to be killing sin, Owen said, or sin will be killing us. Calvin said our heart is an is a idol factory. Right? We continue to develop many ways to sin. And so we need a change of heart. And so number six here, lastly, the, the, these are the circumstances necessary for gospel flourishing. Let the light shine. As you spend time thanking God rather than grumbling at your workplace, light. As you use your phone to build up your junior high friends, light. It's light. All right, so you see this as a, what is this? This is a salt shaker. This is a light. It's not bad. This is one of the greatest sources of light that you can have if you will use it for good. If you will use your social influence for light. It's what our society needs. At this point, we don't try to put the light out. We try to make it brighter. And there are times where society won't like that. But we continue to shine light, continue to shine light, continue in each of these 21 cases to live differently than those around me who may not live out this light. And so the, the truth is we still want to be living in the society. That's dangerous because we bring the light of Christ and it becomes salt. It preserves this community. It preserves the school. It preserves those around us. As those around you are greedy, grasping for self, and you're giving, that's light. Generosity is light. 
Someone will say, wow, that person is fundamentally changed. As others are full of cursing and bitterness and you're full of forgiveness and grace, it's light. That person is a new creation. Let there be light. Where does the light come from? It comes same as Genesis 1, when God speaks. And so we ask God to speak through us. His word brings light. His word opens the eyes of the blind to see the light. It's supernatural. And it is the answer for our solution. It's the solution for our society. You can legislate some morality to curb, but the only way to make people change is the gospel. That is a permanent, lasting change as the gospel light goes forward. We've seen this many times in our history and and over the weeks to come as we go through this. I want to give a few different illustrations of this. One of my favorite ones is is, uh, from the Great Awakening. Uh, This was during a society where women could not go out at night because they were fearful for their safety. It was a, a time of night. And yet, the gospel began to speak, let there be light. And God changed that society from turning the lights off to turning the lights on. Let me give a little account of a farmer. He hears that George Whitfield is coming to preach. He had preached in Philadelphia and then been in Boston and then in Hartford. And he's coming to Middletown. And he's 12 miles from Middletown there in New England. He's like, I've got to get there. I was in my field at work. I dropped my tool that I had in my hand and I ran home, ran through my house, bade my wife get ready quick to go and hear Mr. Whitfield preach. I ran to my pasture for my horse with all my might, fearing I should be too late. I brought my horse home, mounted, and took my wife up, and this isn't them, but helps our illustration. Listen to this. I rode as fast as my horse could bear, and when my horse began to be out of breath, I would get down and bid my wife continue to ride as fast as I could keep up. Don't stop or slack until I tell her, and I would run until I was almost out of breath and then mount my horse again. And so I did several times to favor my horse. We had 12 miles to ride in double time. On high ground, I saw before me a cloud, a fog rising. I first thought it was from a river, but as I came nearer the road, I heard the noise of something like a low rumbling of horses' feet coming down the road, and dust was made by horses. When I came closer to the road, I could see men and horses slipping along the cloud like shadows. When I came nearer, it was a steady stream of horses, their riders scarcely a horse-length distance between each other. All these horses filled with sweat and lather. We went down with the stream. I heard no man speak a word all along the way, three miles, everyone pressing forward in great haste. As they came near the meeting place, there was a multitude of thousands assembled together. I toward, turned toward the great river and saw ferry boats, boats running swift forward, backward, bringing over lots of people, oars rowing, nimble and quick. Everything, men, horses, boats, all seemed to be struggling for life. The land, the banks of the river looked black with people and horses. All along the 12 miles, I saw no man at work in his field. All seemed to be gone. Coming to hear the preaching of the gospel, and many of them were born again. Many of them. Many of them were born again all throughout New England, all across the coast, totally changed our country. Whole families, there was light. Whole towns, there were light. School classrooms, there was light. Cities, there were light. They didn't have to worry about violence in the streets. 
There was light. Listen to one description. Cruelty, depravity changed. One man describes it this way. There was in the minds of people a general fear of sin and the wrath of God denounced against it. There seemed to be a general conviction that all the ways of man were before the eyes of the Lord. It was, it was of the opinion of men of discernment, sound judgment, that bags of gold and silver and other precious things might with safety have been laid in the streets. No one would have converted them to his own use. Theft, wantonness, intemperance, profaneness, Sabbath breaking, which would be doing other things on, on Sunday other than uh, the Lord's work. Other gross sins appeared to be put away. There was light. It changed all of New England. Totally changed. Let me read a paragraph from just a couple months ago. Target announced this week that it's planning to close several stores, citing retail theft and organized retail crime as major problems. It's raising growing concerns and questions about whether retail theft is getting worse, what can be done about it. Retail giants said it'll be closed nine stores in four states next month, including New York City, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. Target said it was doing so out of concern about the safety of the workers and their customers. Target's decision comes as a multiple other retailers, including CVS, Macy's, Walmart, say theft has become a significant problem. According to National Retail Federation, $112 billion of loss. Latest survey. Huge difference. Why? We need light. It's legal to steal. It's illegal. Well, in some places, it's illegal to steal. Right? Why did Rite Aid close here? Why do we have Rite Aid and, and Walgreens close right at where my office is where I need creamer? It's horrible. Because of theft. Our own folks would, would have a hard time working there because of violence. Own church people. Why? Because we need, we need light. We need more salt shakers. Night lights, being different, but also speaking, let there be light. Also speaking, if there's not a preacher, if you're not speaking the words of the gospel, there still will be night. Let the light shine. Let your work become light. Let your family become light. Let your business become light. Let there be light. That's our message today. Let there be light, be gone the night. God spoke, then sun, then eyes, then sight. Come wandering lost, find hope, find rest, find purpose in this life of dust. Let there be light, be gone the night, of soul still wandering from God's side, striving to cling to Satan's bite. But from God's eyes you cannot hide. Let there be light, be gone the night, my own bleak heart has soared to height. From sin's low dungeon, darkness chained, to find in God my joy, delight. Let there be light, be gone the night. Millions in our neighborhood still lost from Jesus' light. Wandering, stumbling, darkness grows. Till from here we embrace the news and shine brightly Christ's light all over Queens. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I pray the Lord will give you grace to be a light this week in your thanks. Let's all ask the Lord for ways we can be light in both the way we live and also the things we say. Okay? If you'd like to pray with someone, I'll be in the back lobby. Happy to pray with you. In just a moment, we'll sing a closing song. Let's pray.